Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, this is Evian Whitney of Sex Love Liberation, and you're listening to Why Are People Into That with Tina Horn. Welcome to the 51st episode of Why Are People Into That, the podcast that swan dives into a vault filled with gold coins. My guest this month is my dear friend, the famous porn star, Lorelai Lee. You might have listened to her interrobang episode about sploshing a few months back. So this right here is our full-length interview about financial domination and cash fetishism. Part two of our conversation will be out on September 15th. I've been releasing episodes early on my Patreon for my loyal patrons. So if you like the show and you want to make it rain, check out patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. All right, everybody, Virgo season is upon us, and as the kids say, it is lit with live events. I am finally keeping tinahorn.net slash live better updated, so check that out for all the info that you need on all my live events. And of course, as always, you can follow at tinahornsass on Twitter and Instagram, but you, you already knew that. Okay, big announcement. Starting this September, I am going to be doing a monthly live Why Are People Into That series at the New York City East Side Pleasure Chest. So on September 7th, my guests are Maisha Battle of the Down For Whatever podcast and Carly, a sex blogger and educator behind the really fabulously named Dildo or Don't blog check that out and check out the down for whatever podcast tickets are available now at tinahorn.net slash live including bottomless prosecco and 15 percent off sex toy shopping i hope i'll see you there and you can go ahead and mark your calendars for october 5th when we're going to be doing a very special halloween themed version of the live podcast so stay tuned Now, a few other events I want to just tell you about really quickly. September 14th, also at the Pleasure Chest, I'm hosting the Talkback at a screening of Aorta Films' new Orgy video. So if you liked my interview with them, you will definitely want to come watch some queer porn with us. On September 16th, I'll be presenting a new lecture on polyamory at the House of Yes in Bushwick for Curious Fox Presents consider this. 
And on September 23rd at the Brooklyn Sex Expo, I'm doing a live crossover podcast with the great Jacqueline Friedman of Unscrewed, which is both a podcast and now a book. Phew. Okay. So many chances to be in the flesh with me. And one more time, the place to get all of the fine print details and all of the links that you need is always going to be updated at T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N dot net slash L-I-V-E. So it's probably apparent to many of my listeners, uh, but September is my birthday month. I am a serious Virgo um, and uh, just like Beyonce. And uh, September is also the anniversary of the Pleasure Chest. So 2017 is the 46th anniversary of this legendary sex toy retailer. I'm closer in age to Beyonce, uh, but I hope that when I turn 46 that I look as uh, fantastic as the Pleasure Chest. With shops in New York City, Chicago, and LA, as well as an accessible online store, Pleasure Chest is a pioneer of sex positivity and community education. You can listen to my interview with the National Head of Operations, Sarah Tom Chesson, in your Wired People Into That podcast feed. On that episode, Sarah gives advice on how shopping for sex toys can enrich every part of your life. The full lineup of free workshops is always available at PleasureChest.com. Oh, and when you attend one of those awesome events, don't forget to let the Pleasure Chest know that you heard about the workshop on Wired People Into That. And now, put your hands on the back of your neck while I reach into your pocket to take what's mine as we explore wire people into cash. My NPR voice. It was great. <laughs> Feel free to slip in and out of NPR voice. Okay. No vocal fry allowed on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, 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 don't get me started on teen parlance and mm. it being disparaged did I tell you that um, at a recent speaking gig someone came up to me right afterwards oh my god did I tell you this they showed me their phone they had made a tally of all the times I had used the word like in a two hour presentation mm-hmm. and they basically brought it up to me and showed it to me amazing and, and said you might not be aware of how often you say like and um who is this person and what are they fucking doing I don't know um that is just grotesque behavior I agree um and if they're listening right now then they obviously don't care about how often I say like and they listen to my podcast anyway um <laughs> but uh yeah this has happened to me before so I do have a prepared retort to that which is that I'm from California so it is my cultural heritage so yeah I mean back off yeah that's I'm also from California in a way uh by way of some other places but Mm. have spent you know so much of my life there that I very and in southern California and I like just you know I have a deep affinity for uh feminized Southern California rhetoric and it being viewed as uh, 
evidence that the speaker is less bright. I mean, it's just like anything. It's just like any way of, um, you know, imposing a hierarchy and it's yeah. bullshit. Agreed. Yeah. Um, um, I once heard, um, do you know the podcast Call Your Girlfriend? Anne Freeman and Aminatou So they, uh, they get a lot of that feedback, pushback, whatever, um, uh, about vocal fry and how often they say like, and it was very healing for me to hear them say, when someone says that they don't like the way I speak, I have to assume that it's just that they don't like what I'm saying mm-hmm. or what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to delegitimize what I'm saying by policing how I say it. Yeah, it's just like policing appearance. Oh, yeah. It's just doing it on the podcast way. Yeah. The radio way. Well, we solved that. <laughs> okay, check. <laughs> oh, we got a long list. Lorelai Lee. Yes. Um, thanks for coming over to podcast again. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things to do is to hang out with you and say we're going to podcast and then not do it. But yeah. also to do it. Yeah. No, and no, we're doing it. Yeah, here we are. Um, Lorelai is a legendary porn star. Oh, slash pornographer <laughs> um and uh writer who every the title of every piece she's ever written has the word porn in it so if you just yeah google <laughs> porn writing i it is a funny thing i have noticed that editors no matter what i name a piece will insert the word pornography into the title yeah i, I guess that's a thing that attracts readers i mean it seems to be working <laughs> Um, is there anything else that you do that you want to talk about on the show or promote on the show? You do, I'm sorry, you do so much labor, uh, organizing, uh, particularly around Prop 60 and, um, uh, the right of porn performers to choose how to make risk or assessments about their safety and health on set. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so I have taken a step back from from doing a lot of that in the last six months uh, in order to work on a larger secret project that, you know, will someday be unveiled. But Well, we hope you'll give us that um, exclusive scoop whenever you release <laughs> that, uh, that information to the public. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Cool, me too. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, like, all kinds of... Um, people are quaking in their boots now yeah Yeah. I actually also haven't um been shooting much lately and most of my public interaction is you know writing rage essays and rage tweets uh yeah here's the thing I'll say yeah to the public I'm only on Twitter and Instagram oh yes please talk about that I've gotten so many uh emails and things lately from people saying is this you? Is this you? I'm interacting with this person on Snapchat, on whatever else. I, I don't know what the other platforms are, but you know, I have Facebook, Facebook, Facebook right, oh, Fet, uh, I mean, obviously Facebook, FetLife, FetLife, also um, various like forums that people use to sell their work, yeah. and people are pretending to be you, and yeah, it's really really obnoxious. Um, I am at Miss Lorelai Lee on Twitter and Instagram 
and I have a public email address, xoxolorelily at gmail.com, and those are the only places to speak with the actual me. Good to know. Yeah. Um, no, it's very, it's really, it, it's important, and I'm glad that you're putting that out there, and um, uh, that sucks. Yeah, it's so lame. It's so lame. I mean, what can you do? So, of all the things that we could talk about, Mm -hmm. we decided to talk about financial domination today. Yeah. Um, Which it seems like perhaps some people are using your persona to financially dominate people. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess it's cool that people are out there financially dominating people, but um, if people are going to. If your fans want to give you money, you should definitely be getting that money. Yeah, and the thing that bothers me is not that I'm not the one getting that money. The thing that bothers me is how are they representing me, right? right. Just like anybody, we all feel very possessive of our of our representation, yeah. of public personas and and our private personas. Like, yeah. You know, they're gonna. Somebody's gonna say something, and this will be the thing that bothers me the most. Like, I don't care. Get all the money. Take mm. all the money. I give no fucks about that. But don't like say words and attribute them to me. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's disturbing to be catfished, but I don't think that we talk a lot about how it feels when someone like uses. Um, your mask to catfish yeah and it's not and so it it feels really bad when I know that someone's pretending to be me in order to um well there is another piece of it right which is that they are um they're using my labor Of, of course to make money that's right my you know the many years that I've put into uh building up my public persona and you know, all the many forms of labor that that includes. Um, but also what really bothers me is I've heard from at least one female performer who said that some, that she had received text messages and maybe an email from someone asking for, like, photos. Mm. Right? And right. that really disturbs that's me. That's very that's, – that's so wrong. Be, first of all, like – why would a director write to you asking for photos if you are already on the internet? You know, like that's one piece of it Ooh, that, that feels really like really like you just don't need to you just don't ever need to provide that, you know, unless you're like filling out an application online for a company and you know that you're interacting with the, you know, talent uh manager of that company directly. But no one should be just like texting you asking you for nudes it's gross oh man okay Uh, it's 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 wrong don't do it don't do it it's not me doing it if anyone texts you and says they're me they're probably not yeah you you barely barely text anyone (laughs) (laughs) it's hard enough to get a text back from me when i know you and love you oh god Lorelai. Yeah. What the fuck is financial domination? Okay. Uh, Financial domination is when uh, 
money is given to someone in a dominant role and the that tr- the transaction the handing over of the money is the turn on right so there's many ways that people exchange money mm. during sex or you know in a relationship in a relationship or um as part of other you know kinds of sex work there is often a you know financial transaction that happens that's not necessarily financial domination although i think we'll talk about the ways mm. that it sometimes is without being named as that right but uh when people are talking about financial domination they're usually talking about a situation where uh the person who is the in the submissive role is giving cash or a credit card payment or some other thing of value sometimes it's buying clothes Mm. or jewelry or that kind of thing and giving it to the person who's in the dominant role uh and that is the entire sexual transaction right there so to clarify there is an explicit definition that the money is not being um, exchanged exchanged for for a good or service although it is a little sort of murky because it's like it is in itself the service so in a way it's like you are exchanging money for a well, service, you know, the service that you're doing in exchange for the money is receiving the money. Yeah, exactly. And and probably in addition to simply receiving the money, creating a uh, creating or maintaining a fantasy or dynamic or even just projecting a persona and marketing that persona well, so that the so that to in order to produce a feeling, a specific kind of erotic feeling or uh, dominant and submissive, uh, you know, power dynamic feeling when that person gives the money. So, so this is where it gets complicated. I think the simplest version is somebody gives you money, they are having a turn on, a sexual uh, thrill from giving the money. The person receiving the money may or may not be a professional sex worker, may mm. or may not be a person who is even behaving in a dominant way. Mm. Uh, I certainly know of plenty of experiences where uh, money is being handed over. And, you know, I've I've known of this happening in, in, in various circumstances that are not all sex work related, but right. that the handing over the money is the thrill you can in addition have built a persona Mm. of being a professional dominant of being someone who's very who understands all of the facets of financial domination and all of the different kinds of thrills that can be involved in it and i would consider myself one of those people Mm. and that's work that i've done but i also know people who have just accepted clothes or uh valuables of other kinds Mm. and and been to me like this guy just like wrote to me on Craigslist and then just like gave me money. And that was cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably a lot more common than maybe people realize or that maybe when you put it in these terms, people are like, Oh, that's happened to me. Yeah. I mean, so I I also have had the experience many times when I was stripping of feeling like this, this is what's happening right now. Right. Like, 
when I am, you know, dancing over a growing pile of cash and the way that it, the cash is handed over is like in this very methodical way mm. where uh men are clearly deeply enjoying that moment of passing the cash yeah. and doing it rhythmically doing it with in response to some cue mm. but it is not transactional the same way that other kinds of sex work are transactional where we've negotiated you're going to pay me this much or even when i dance bachelor parties like i already got paid right to be there to start with the tipping is another kind of sexy behavior that for me feels like it has all the thrills of financial domination um for the for the the client slash voyeur slash the person who is handing over the money like or also i mean i guess my question is about parsing out um the thrill of doing the financial domination while at work because Obviously, we have to separate the motivation, the like sexual motivation to do sex work or the like thrill or satisfaction that we get at sex work from like we don't have to be turned on in order to do your job, do your job. Yeah. Or even like experiencing pleasure or having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like that expectation that you should always be. Well, and also that is true in relationships, right? Like we often do a thing that doesn't feel, you know, that isn't necessarily one of our desires, internal Mm. desires. Uh, Sometimes, you know, like when you're dating someone, you will wear, just wear an outfit that they like, that Mm. you're like, oh, does this look good on me? I don't even know if this looks good on me, but cool, that's working for you. You know, like (laughs) not everything is intrinsically uh self-motivated right and that is cool too yeah um that's a separate question yeah but so to get back to what you were saying i think um that this is complicated and so for me i can speak for myself and say that i definitely the the piece of financial domination or maybe a, a fetish that is adjacent to financial domination that is a huge thrill for me is like fetishizing cash. Right. Oh man, that's like three questions down. So you just got there already. <laughs> yeah. I really want to talk about cash fetish. Look at this. Yeah. It says right there, cash fetish. Okay, uh-huh. I'm just underlining it. <laughs> um, and so that is like, like while I'm financially dominating someone, the thrill that I'm getting is the thrill of cash fetish. And that is distinct from like I'm what I'm doing is I will do the behavior of dominating I will say the words of you know you exist only to prop me up that's the entire reason that you go to work you're just a pay piggy you can might as well just sign over your checks to me etc you know the kinds of things that people like to hear or other there's other ways that's just one version right that's like um, but the thing that's thrilling me is not saying those words or behaving in a dominant way. Even the thing that's thrilling me is touching cash mm. and having cash accumulate around me mm. and like rubbing cash on my body, mm. uh, smelling, cash. smelling. Yes. I mean, there are so many 
I could probably go on and on about all the ways that cash turns me on. Um, I love to fuck on it. I love to throw it around the room. I mean, oh, it's so good. Does it have to be real cash or can it be monopoly money? No, it has to be real. Okay, I figured so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that it's there's so there's so many reasons. What about coins? Coins are all right. <laughs> coins are what better a, in Europe. What about? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they they're more valuable and they yes. weigh more. Yeah, and they got like queens on them and shit. Yeah. Um, what about gold? Have you I ever have fucked on like? Never had enough gold, like. I've never had enough actual gold to have it be a thing. But jewelry is a big deal for me. Like, yeah. And definitely um, having people give me jewelry mm. uh, gives me a similar thrill. Do you like to fuck while wearing valuable jewelry? Who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, does anybody not love that? <laughs> I also love to fuck while wearing tons of not valuable jewelry. I... Which is, like, see, these things are so aligned, though, because it really is so deep. It's so about consumption. It's so about um, conspicuous consumption. And mm. it's about the symbolism of money and, this, you know, yeah. what it means and, and making it meaningless and trying, trying so hard to make it meaningless, while also knowing the real power that it holds so when you're fucking on a pile of cash you feel like that is undermining the power that cash has over your life it's both right you can't like you can only ever try to undermine it and maybe that's why i just keep coming back to this like it will never stop holding power over me yeah and that's really deep for me that's like you know from growing up poor yeah um and growing up in very class segregated places uh, and seeing wealth, mm. really like blatant wealth around me and having no access to it. Mm. So to have a pile of cash underneath my naked body that I'm like, you know, getting dirty I'm getting this cash dirty also cash is probably dirty oh, it's, and it's making you and, dirty you know like I have uh there's a thing we do bachelor parties right where we like pick up bills with our junk oh yeah yeah um and that is probably really not good for your junk so mm. <laughs> I'm just gonna, like <laughs> have you ever have you ever gotten like a like a cash yeast infection you know you can never know for sure the uh, true source, the single source of a yeast infection, you can only have, you can only guess at such things. I don't remember specifically having a moment where I was like, oh, that's definitely from that. Andrew Jackson's 20s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Curse you, Andrew Jackson. Yeah, man. But that shit is going to change so much once it's the Tubman. Oh, yeah. The whole symbolism of it is going to change. Oh, man. Because there really is something, too, about the, like, uh, capitalist Picking patriarchal. up a white man yeah. with your pussy? Yeah. Picking yeah, up a literally. dead, dead uh, pro-slavery. A fucking uh, genocidal uh, uh, yeah. asshole. I yeah. know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's all in it. You know, um, it's interesting. It makes me, hearing you talk about the way that it's, that it's both 
makes me sort of think about um like if you're fucking on a pile of cash in a way you're worshiping the cash but you're also undermining its power i guess because you're acknowledging that without that worship the cash is nothing like the cash is just paper and it's the worship that makes that gives it power yeah i think that's probably true for many people for me worship is never a part of it i am never you're not worshiping the cash i'm never worshiping the cash i am owning it controlling it stepping on it mm. um just like like physically like maybe in this situation the thing that i'm dominating is money <laughs> it's not like the person giving me the money and the person who's giving you the money is just like you're the patron that's providing the material for you yeah i mean the person who's giving me the money i um i f i am like so so there's a big that is that's complicated too because the person who's giving me the money most frequently, it is a cis straight male in a kind of clothing that makes me interpret them as someone who is upper middle class right. or wealthy. Right. Um, and that is important to my enjoyment because it is so, um, I mean, this experience for me is so classed. Yeah. Uh, that I feel as though they have a kind of social power that I am physically taking from them. Mm. And that turns me on. So you're like closing the wage gap. And it's not, I would never want to, I, I wouldn't even put it in those explicit terms. Yeah. You know, because that's not what's happening at all. Um, but I, but what we are doing that I feel is real is, um, breaking a kind of rule of classed relationships right? where usually in order for me to take money from these people and how it's been in the past, uh, in order for me to take money from wealthy or upper middle class people, I have done a lot of manual labor to, right. to get there. So during financial domination, I am not performing the kind of manual labor that I have in the past. I'm not even, I'm, I, usually I'm not performing manual labor in order to get cash. From what them. about emotional labor? I mean, it really depends on the situation because that is the, the beautiful thing about financial domination when it is most exciting and most satisfying for me is, and, and this ha in its purest form, there is no emotional labor. There's just a handing over, right? There is just a person who feels that, that, that this is what they need to do. Yeah. They need to give you their money. And sometimes that is associated with a feeling of like competition, of proving that they have the money to give to you. Right. Sometimes it's associated with a feeling of humiliation, of I yeah. am not worth keeping this thing of value, so I have to give it to you. Or I have so much guilt about the, how... Sometimes about it's class for them, too. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's about a very gendered um, idea of the worship of the feminine. Um, and I don't always know what it's about for that person. Because in its purest form, men just have handed me cash or just 
given it to me online. Yeah. Yes. And I don't hear from them before or after. Uh, Sounds great. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's the thing that, that has a lot of allure for people when they're looking at it from the outside. They're like, whoa, why? How does that happen? And it feels, and that's what I'm talking about when I talk about like breaking the rules of class and breaking the rules of capitalism is that that kind of transaction seems totally in opposition to everything we know about economics and about how money works in value in a capitalist society. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. feel that financial domination is sex work? Um, I do. I, I can only speak from my own experience. And I certainly do feel that. And I feel that my status as a sex worker is deep in that transaction. And that also that's what makes it exciting for me is knowing that my status as a sex worker makes me for the majority of my interactions with the world lowers my social status right. to the point of facing all kinds of discrimination and violence and, yeah. you know, all the shitty shit that goes along with that. Um, and in this transaction, my status is being glorified. And valorized. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's big for me, big part. So you've already answered this in a lot of different ways, but I want to ask you specifically, why are people into that? Why are people into financial domination? So let's talk about the cash pig first, right? Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. person who wants to be financially dominated, the person who, who desires to give their money to women or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, we can talk about gender again, but uh, mm-hmm. in a second. But uh, the the person who, in your terms, wants to create that transaction by being the giver, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, I, I want to say, and not expecting anything in return, but that's not accurate. Well, it depends on the person. I mean, I think that uh, but, that's the thing. It really does depend on the person because. Like I said, there have been many times when I have never heard from that person again. So what they expect in return is for me to accept the money, right? right? That's it. Right. It's that pure or simple. It's not simple, but it is. um, Straightforward. Yeah. Straightforward, I guess. Yeah. Clear. Yeah. Clearly defined. Yeah. Um, So then there are other circumstances where people really want to build a whole fantasy world around it 
right. where they really want to be spoken to um, for a longer period of time about how they're not worthy, uh, about how like they're just a vessel for uh, your receipt of the money, like the money goes through them to you, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, you know, um, or about how uh, men exist to be subservient mm. and that we have and that we that they're handing over them of the money is like undoing a, you know false hierarchy that exists mm. or that it's just the reification of the natural order of things right so those things can be hap- those ideas can be happening at the same time right or we can be in an entire fantasy world in which we forget about the patriarchy. and Sounds great. <laughs> and the world just exists as such that women are goddesses who deserve all of the cash of men. I mean, it is really... It's not It's not the cash of men. It is our cash. Right, right. Yeah. But then, of course, it, that, that idea is very based in, like, the gender binary and the, like, you know these ideas of what a man is and what a woman is that are real, real like traditional. Mm. So even while we're doing this thing that supposedly it's like second wave feminism, right? It's like, oh my God. <laughs> well, because it's like this, I so frequently, you know, there's this meme that like with the brains and the brains lighting up and then the brain explodes. Uh-huh. And it's like we're on the second brain, you know, where you're like, where you're like, second oh. wave, second brain. Yeah, where you're like, oh, realizes that patriarchy exists. Oh, thinks the correct response to patriarchy is to do the opposite of what patriarchy is telling you. Mm. And, and then, then the brain exploding is what? The brain exploding is like, oh, like, do whatever you want. Do yeah, we'll do whatever you want. Create a new world order. Mm. Like, make your decisions not based on any reactiveness to traditional hierarchies right yeah um i love that i'm gonna remember that (laughs) it's like it was so like for an example would be uh like the first brain uh uh is like that you learn that you are female and so you have to shave your legs in order to be a female in society. And then the second brain is, I could just have hairy legs. And then that would be a, that would be fighting the idea that I have to shave my legs. That, and re- that's what revolution looks like. Right? right. And then the explodey brain is like, I can do whatever I want with my legs. Yeah. Like, well, and that the, the way my body looks is not necessarily connected to what my gender is Mm. and the way that I present my body and uh, what my gender is can have any kind of alignment that don't necessarily have a responsiveness to traditional ideas of what gender is or traditional expectations of what you're supposed to do if you are a certain gender. And also I think the explodey brain stage is the one where you realize that you're no more that... (laughs) like not shaving your legs is uh is is great but that then policing other people who do shave their legs i mean that's is, where it gets is, really is actually sending you back to the original brain yeah that's where it gets that's why that's why it's even worth talking about this is right. because all too frequently when you people get to the not shaving my legs is revolution 
part, they're like, and those people who are shaving their legs are anti-revolution. Right. Counter-revolutionary. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, And that is so frustrating. Totally. Well... Okay, so, so so why are so why so, are people into, so why are people into financial debt? <laughs> so what like what is what is on the mind of the cash big? Okay, so number one, um, uh, could or you know could be uh, um, any of these. Um, uh, some cash pigs uh, worship women, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they and uh, you know giving like bringing gold coins to the temple is a good way to worship a woman, a well, female or to worship a female goddess, yeah. show your tribute to make a sacrifice. Right. Because when you give away your money, then you no longer have that money. Yeah. Um, maybe for some of them, they feel some guilt, whether they understand this explicitly or not, that they understand that they have, that they have some guilt, some patriarchal guilt that they have more money than they know what to do with. And so they're like, want to try to equalize things. Um, maybe for some of them, uh, it is a sort of twisted power dynamic where they are showing off their status because they're like showing like I could just I could just give a hundred dollars a thousand dollars a jet plane baby to somebody and I I, and and I'll be fine I just I just I just buy this lady a diamond ring and like we won't even be any sweat off my sack and so that is I think that comes back to the idea of trying to devalue money of feeling like you are playing with the power that money holds um and also that that happens oftentimes in conjunction with uh people being turned on and this has happened to me often at bachelor parties too of uh men being turned on by their interactions with other men interesting Um, and that is such a dynamic that is like that is like um under acknowledged i think <laughs> um, well if we acknowledge it too much that might you know blow the cover right we don't want to blow the cover we want <laughs> the homosocial cover yeah continue to to do it so that we can reap the rewards of exactly. it exactly um that's so interesting so in a way they're sort of like um being like exhibitionist well so they're competing for your attention they're being um exhibitionist they're trying to be the um, most male, malest of males <laughs> sometimes. Um, but also, they're, uh, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like, if I'm in a room full of men who are handing me their money, oftentimes it's like, this is, I'm, I'm like t- peripheral to their experience, which is like, I, their experience is like that they're, f- their cohort their like male cohort is like Mm. viewing them as virile Mm. you know and and they're doing that for each other oh my god (laughs) it's really fucking interesting oh i love it i i get such like i i mean i don't know maybe i get joy out of it because i feel like i have some kind of control of the room like my experience of being the me knowing that me being there is peripheral to their experience 
is like when you're reading a book and you just have all the clues that the protagonist doesn't have and you're oh. like you know what I mean you're like I mean that oh. is that it that is the um that is called dramatic irony. That's what dramatic irony is. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, an example of dramatic irony, it, the, the classic slash classical example of dramatic irony is that uh, everybody in the audience knows that Oedipus is fucking his mom. Okay. But Oedipus doesn't know it's his mom. Yeah. So, when Oedipus is, like, you know, like, going to bed with her, we're all like, no! Yeah. You know, and when he kills his dad, he doesn't know it's his dad, but we know it's his dad. So, our experience of it is based, is, 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 and like the the tragedy, that's what tragic irony is. Like the tragedy is that we know and he doesn't. Yeah. And if we could just tell him, yeah, but we can't. Yeah. So that's the kind of thrill that I'm having, where I'm not like thrilled that this exists and that you know, male competition and like this idea of masculine virility as like a, a such a motivator you at the top of the social hierarchy, like exists right but just that I am that they have no idea how much I see mm. right and that's sort of also some of there's like a thrill of objectification in that where like being objectified uh again is this thing where I'm like I know what you're doing and also I know all the other things about who I am you know and that I'm a whole person and so when it works it's like uh it works because we all know this is a fiction or because i know this is a fiction we all meaning all the people who are important which is me <laughs> in that room <laughs> that rules <laughs> you know it, this reminds me of the uh um the episode um that uh um the Wired People Into Gang Bangs episode where Madeline and Will, um, uh, who you know very well, yeah. uh, were, uh, it was Will specifically who was talking about, um, uh, th uh, who was telling the story of one of the uh, women that he has worked with um, who was doing the gang bang. So she was the the bottom, uh, you know, playing the role of the bottom uh, in the gangbang and she was talking about how she um, really loves to like rub the dicks together a little extra in her mouth. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a thing. Um, yeah. Speaking of Madeline, I mean, we should probably acknowledge that Madeline and I uh, have done this sort of fantastically together. Yeah. Um, and famously, in fact, she got a ton of press. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk about concrete detail. <laughs> um, because I know you love concrete detail, I but do. also apparently, yeah. I think that you might be a closet theory lover as well. Oh no, not me! I got you on the mic. <laughs> um, so there is this picture. Um, that has hung for a long time at the San Francisco Armory. I'm assuming that it has been taken, taken down. down. Yeah. That is a photograph of you and uh, Matress Madeline Marlowe, who's been a guest on this show um, before, talking about why are people into gangbangs. Um, there's two versions of it. There's one where you're wearing latex outfits, mm -hmm. and there's one where you're wearing sort of severe business attire. Yeah. Um, like pencil skirts, blouses, that yeah. kind of thing. 
and so the the one that uh that hangs in the um armory is the sort of um severe business attire one um and you are lounging Mm -hmm. on top of forty two thousand dollars in cash oh it's 84 right it's both of your money commingling yes Yes. so it's eighty four thousand dollars in cash um real cash real cash real cash um uh, looking up at the camera, so the camera, the the, the um, photographer is like on a ladder, yeah. uh, and there's also some cash like raining down on you, yeah. um, and you uh, guys have in that picture like briefcases, maybe. Yeah, I think we have a briefcase and a whip. Right. Yeah. Um, and what is the story behind that picture? Uh, so the story is that uh, Madeline. You know, it, Madeline has a an expertise mm. on fetishes, yeah. obviously, and on taking cash and on financial domination. Yeah. And one of the best ways to do financial domination is through a public auction because the it's visible what the amount of money that the men are putting down is visible very similar to the strip club or I have not worked in a strip club so I shouldn't say that but similar to the bachelor party right um but also in a strip club I mean you know I just don't want to speak on something that I don't sure don't feel like an have you been to a strip club sure of course (laughs) I've been to a strip club but that certainly does not make me an authority on strip clubs although you wouldn't know that from the number of journalists writing articles about their visit to the strip club Ooh, sick burn Uh, okay (laughs) so we had this auction um well so but I do I do want to say that the the idea of the auction really um uh supports your claim that part uh, that that for um not always, but sometimes the motivation behind uh, giving, mo- you know, being a financial domination bottom, being a financial submissive, mm-hmm. that's yes. the word for that, um, is is exhibitionism and wanting yes. wanting to be seen potentially even by, n- like, not uh, the object of your lust, right, the, the, right, the, right, the, the woman, right. but being being seen, you know, if you will, homosocially yeah. by your peers yeah. um, and be, then being, like, validated, you know, perhaps, again, like, because of status, because of perhaps, like, a um, desire to be validated by other men. Um, yes. uh, and, um, and also maybe as, like, a pecking order kind of, like, comp- and also maybe also competition yeah. with other men or, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Um, pissing contest anyway so go on so public so, auction so great way we to do that we're auctioning off a, a webcam show right it was a one-hour webcam show with so the first auction was with madeline um and the winner of that auction paid forty two thousand dollars so technically this was this is an example of financial domination existing within the framework of a specific kind of sex work right so technically that person was exchanging money or the, the the terms of the transaction were you are gonna give you know the the winner of the auction will pay whatever they pledge um in exchange for a one-hour custom camp show so the this wouldn't have been financial domination if someone had paid the money and received the camp show right that was not uh 
Not necessarily. I mean, right. It's it would be an L. I, I, it could I, be. I, it could just depends. It depends on the person who's paying, right? The people who are um, putting down that money might have all different motivations, and they might just really want a cam show, right. and the handing over the cash might not be um, so important to them. But the reason that the auction works is because of these financial domination factors right. that many of the people who will be attracted to that form of paying for something are going to be attracted to it for all the reasons we just described. Uh, and in the end, the person who ended up paying for it did not want a cam show. They simply wanted to hand over their money. I have a question. Yeah. Is it still possible that that person could show up and say, I would like to redeem my credit? Well, I mean, at this point, that would be very difficult for anybody involved. It's been a number of years since this. Yeah, like four, four or five I think years? it was 2014 and 2015. Okay. And it's 2017 now. It's 2017 now. Uh, maybe it was both in 2014. I um, uh, Both of the auctions. So the, the end of the story is that then Please go on. a few months uh, after the first auction, uh, I held an auction as well. Um, and the same person paid $42,000. Uh, and was the winner of that auction. I also just want to say that the the status of this as financial domination is complicated for me by the fact that you put the labor of marketing mm -hmm. the auction into the transaction. Now, I'm not trying to be like this what I'm I'm going to tell you it wasn't financial domination, but like there it, it obviously is something that um can because it's a uh, transaction of currency, it can go along and seems like it maybe even sort of naturally goes along with like other forms of labor, particularly sexual labor, right? So just like we don't want to discount the fact that, you know, if someone is paid $300 for a one hour session, they're not just getting paid for the labor of being present and their time and being present in that session. They're also being paid for however much time they put into marketing, into corresponding with the client, into maintaining their persona, into the photo shoots that they had to do, into yeah. like all the times that they have to go to the gym or get Botox. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Like all of these, you know, and the like money that they spend on makeup and the money that they spend on the outfits and yeah. like all of that different stuff and and uh i was i think i was trying to acknowledge that in my definition that it is it it, it can take all different forms yeah and when we're talking about it in a professional situation right again that's going to be a different form than um just you know people who are maybe um doing financial domination. What's funny about it is like, is it always sex work, right? Because right. people might be handing over cash uh, to someone who does not otherwise do sex work. Is right. that sex work? I could hear arguments either way. Totally, same. Um, so I definitely said this in interviews after we had these public auctions. And it got a lot of press. And people seem to really, even, even as recently as a follow-up to um, a Maureen O'Connor cover story in New York Magazine. She wrote a separate, she had, had a separate interview with Madeline yeah. about how bizarre she felt it was, you know, this has gotten yeah. like plenty of press already, but yeah. people seem to really continue to be like, 
$42,000 for nothing. Right, right. And that's what I said to one of the reporters is that this was not for nothing. This was for, you know, 10 years of my work building up my public persona and creating all kinds of performances. And also what if someone is willing to give that money then it's not nothing and again for me um this is very linked also to you know my status as a sex worker i like i said i don't think this is always true about financial domination but for me oftentimes i feel that growing up poor and be, being a sex worker now is the way that I earned that money. Like, fucking experiencing in many different ways the feeling of lack. Mm. Yeah. And not just the feeling of lack, but the social stigma of not having money. Yeah. And, you know, there's, so, there's, there's different struggles around when you don't have money and some of them have to do with your social status and some of them have to do with just the very practical situation of not having money. Um, that that's really very deeply a part of that transaction for me that I can't untangle or know whether that is a part of it for other people, but it is so deeply a part of it for me. It yeah. is like a very deep motivator. Um, and I feel like I am receiving power when I receive that money, that power that I specifically felt the lack of at many times in my life, you know? Yeah. And so, so when we talk about financial domination, I mean, one thing that we haven't maybe explicitly said, but I think have probably said in a lot of ways is that we are just talking about power exchange yeah, and money holding power, symbolizing power, being and it being literally exchanged. Thanks for listening to episode 51. Follow at Tina Horns Ass on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe to the show on Acast, iTunes, etc. And please take a few seconds to write a review and tell your friends about the show. Visit wirepeopleintothat.com to subscribe to our newsletter and listen to the entire archive. As ever, Wire People Into That is produced and hosted by yours truly, Tina Horn. Our theme song is by Vivid Windows from Oakland, California, and this project is supported in part by my generous Cash Piggy patrons. Close that wage gap by pledging patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. Until next time, I'll be obsessively smoothing out bills and making sure they all face the same direction in my drawer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.